0: Thank you, Rich. Thank you, April. Powerful song, isn't it? Jesus Christ is a solid rock. You know, life might be falling apart, your body, but there is a rock, and His name is Jesus. And when you've got your anchor tied to Him, no matter what happens, no matter what happens in the world, no matter what happens in your life, Your faith is firmly gripped to the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Rich, April. Well, last week we began a new series of messages on the gospel of Matthew called The King and His Kingdom. And as I began this series, I've never preached through Matthew before, and I'm really excited because really it's it's really following the footsteps of Jesus. Last week we began when we saw His birth. Now the wise men came. We're going to follow Jesus all through this gospel as Matthew writes the story. We're going to follow Him along the rugged roads and dusty trails of Palestine and, and maybe sit on a mountainside listening to Him teach a Sermon on the Mount. And then we're going to follow Him in hearing some of the crowds and hearing some of the people that rejected Him and His conflicts with the religious leaders of the day. We're also going to follow Jesus as many of his encounters are with individual people. We're going to listen as we hear him talking to them about the way of God. And then we'll follow him that dusty road down into Jerusalem where he spent his last week and he went to the cross, he was buried in the tomb. And he rose again. And then we're going to listen as he stands on a mountainside at the end of Matthew when he says, Go, you, into all the world and preach the gospel. I'm excited to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. I hope that you and I can enjoy this. Today we're in Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3 talks about an individual guy. He's a prophet. He's the last of the prophets. His name is John. People call him the Baptist. It's been 400 years since God spoke through his prophets, and now John comes on the scene. Well, let's listen as he unveils the story for us in John Matthew 3, verses 1 through 12. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region round the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not think to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I, indeed, baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand. And he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Father, we bow in your presence today and pray that the message of the Baptist, even though it was 2,000 years ago, would speak to our heart today. God, may you use your servant once again. In Jesus' precious name, amen. The Ministry of John the Baptist, his background. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, we read, For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to their Lord, their God, and he will also go before him. In the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. From the beginning of John the Baptist's life, he was going to be called a Nazarite. And a Nazarite was a vow that was taken to not drink strong drink or wine. There was a couple other things that... um, this dedicated service to the Lord would entail. He would not be cutting his hair. I remember when I was a teenager, I wanted to be a Nazarite, but my dad uh, took, the, took the shears to my head and said, not, not on my watch. Uh, and the other thing about a Nazarite is that uh, he was not supposed to touch a dead body, uh, whether it's animal or a person. But those were just a few of the exclusive things, but mostly they were dedicated as a servant of the Lord. And John the Baptist was, and God had spoke to him that he would be a prophet and a preacher of righteousness. And the area that he preached was the wilderness of Judea. That is from the Sea of Galilee all the way south to the Dead Sea. And he would go and wander around in the deserts and the wilderness in that area and preaching the gospel. And the reason why he did not go into Jerusalem where the religious system was, he was speaking a different message than the staid religiosity and the externalism that was there in Jerusalem. So if you wanted to see John, you wouldn't see him in the temple, You wouldn't see him with the the scribes and the Pharisees. You had to go out in the wilderness and purposely come that far to hear the message of God. God was doing a new thing, not there in Jerusalem among the scholars. Notice his life of self-denial. In verse 4, it says, John was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. The clothing of camel's hair was a coarse cloth made by weaving camel's hair, and such cloth is still often worn in the East by the poor people. Now it was not something that was sought out, sold on the streets. It was something very rough, very coarse. It's kind of like wearing wool over your bare skin, it wasn't very fun to wear. But it was, that's what he wore, and he ate locusts and wild honey. Boy, I tell you, that doesn't sound very appetizing to me. You've seen locusts or grasshoppers out there, and uh, I know that people can fry them, and that's what they did. They fried uh, those locusts and they use it, but it's not something you'd go to a restaurant, hey, give me a course of locust for supper, and put some wild honey on it too, <laughs> but the, I wonder why in the world is he eating that stuff? Isn't there anything else to eat? Well, I tell you what. I think the reason why he did that is because his life was consumed with serving the Lord and preaching for God and to, and to to work in people's lives. He didn't have time to wonder where he's going to live. He lived out in the in the wilderness. He didn't have time to go and. Uh, go into town and buy his groceries and put them in the pantry and get his stove out there and, and cook everything. and He didn't have time to, to wander through the Jerusalem uh, clothes shops and pick out his suit for the next day. No, his life was so enmeshed in serving the Lord that it says, oh, this is good enough, I'll, I'll wear this, and oh, there's a grasshopper, I'm kind of hungry today, I'll, I'll eat that, and there's some wild honey to wash it down with because his life was not about taking care of himself. It was all consumed with serving God. And I think that there's a, a lesson that you and I can learn. It's not a lesson that I think that we need to go out in the wilderness and sleep on the rocks and eat grasshoppers and wild honey and, and wear a camel hair garment. But I do think we need to be less stuck on ourselves. I think we need to spend less of our time focused on what are we going to eat, what are we going to wear, what, what's, what are we going to drive, what are we going to do, all of this for ourselves. I remember when I was growing up, one of the things that I enjoy doing is taking a hike out in the woods. And if you're going to take a hike in the woods, the first thing you got to do, even before you think about getting a pack and sack lunch, is you need to find a stick, a long stick. Make sure it's pretty sturdy. You know, knock off some of the branches and things, get that stick, and you use that as a walking stick, right? So you can see the beauties of God, so you can enjoy life and enjoy nature and, and seeing what God's hand is. Well, today's society don't have walking sticks. They have another stick called a selfie stick. And they, that's kind of a symbol of our society because it's all focused on me looking good and all life is, is there. I think we need to be less about the selfie stick and more about serving the Lord. Well, that was the way John the Baptist was. I mean, it wasn't about what he was going to eat. He just caught what he found and and wore what he had, didn't care because he was burning on fire for God. Notice also his ministry of baptism in verse 6. And were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. Now, this baptism of John is different than the new testament baptism the baptism of john was as you, as you see the word baptism or baptism here it's the greek word is baptizo they didn't in the, when they translated the english bible they didn't translate the word they just not changed it to an english ending instead of baptizo baptism but the actual meaning of the word in all of the places where the greek Uh, is used here in the New Testament, also in secular Greek. The word baptizo literally means to immerse in water, not sprinkle in water, not pour. It's to immerse. The word means to be dunked under the water. That's what John was doing. He was down in the Jordan River. People would come in, and he would dunk them under the water. Now, the Jews were used to baptizing Gentiles but they weren't used to baptizing Jews. So John came to baptize Jews that were hearing the gospel because they needed to repent, because they were looking forward to Messiah's coming, and he was preparing the way. John also mentioned two other baptisms, the baptism of the Spirit in these verses, in verse 11, and the baptism of fire. What is that? The one that was going to come after him, of course, Jesus, was going to be having a spirit baptism, and that happened on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit baptized all the followers of Jesus that had come to him and accepted him. They were all baptized in the Spirit. And then John mentioned a baptism of fire. Now, when John is predicting the ministry of Jesus, he's just seeing Jesus coming. Jesus will baptize in fire at the end of the age in His judgment on a rebellious earth. That's the fire that is mentioned here. Now, John's baptism was not the same as Christian baptism today, for it was a religious uh, rite signifying confession of sin and committing to a holy life in anticipating a Messiah's coming. But today's baptism, what is baptism today? Why do we baptize? I find that there's three or four basic reasons why we are to baptize. The first reason is because Jesus did Himself. He was baptized. I remember my first ministry when I was a young pastor. There was a a lady in our uh, church that uh, had some special needs. She She was slow mentally. And she had been saved under the previous pastor's ministry. And she came up to me. And said, Pastor, I want to get baptized. And of course, being a young pastor, I was always trying to do everything right. I said, are you sure you're saved? And do you sure you understand it? So I did a little interview with her, and I said, Nancy, um, why do you want to get baptized? She said this, I'm going to follow in Jesus' footsteps. I've been a pastor in seminary. I've never found a better definition of, of why you want to get baptized because Jesus did. He didn't need to. He didn't need to at all. But the Master, our Master, our Savior, was willing to go down into the River Jordan and allow John to baptize him. And if there's no other reason to get baptized, I want to do it because Jesus did it. And that's something. That's the first reason. But it's also an act of obedience. At the end of the... The Gospel of Matthew, we're going to come to the Great Commission. He told His disciples, He told you and I, to go into all the world and preach the Gospel, baptizing them. (laughs) That's a Great Commission. That's a command from Jesus. Not only did He show us Himself was willing to get baptized, He told us to get baptized. And then also, it's a picture of what God has done in our heart. It's a picture that we, when we accepted Christ as our Savior, died to sin and were buried and were risen to walk a new life. Baptism doesn't save you. It just lets everyone else know you are saved. That's what Christian baptism is today. Notice John's godly character. Oh, this guy is. An Old Testament prophet. When you see this guy coming in camel's hair, you knew from a distance that this was a prophet. He had an iron will. He cut through all the veneer of religiosity and looked right into the hearts of the needs of those people. But he had such a godly character from not only his godly upbringing as a Nazarite in his in his family, but also in his humility. We could do a whole study on John the Baptist. As a matter of fact, I did preach a series on that many years ago. And one of the things that I pointed out was his humility. I mean, one time, he had a group of his followers in another gospel, and he was teaching them, and Jesus started coming by. And he looked at his disciples, and he pointed to Jesus. Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. And then it says, many of those that were following John left him and started following Jesus. And John said, amen. That's what I'm here for. Not to attract my attention. He must increase, but I must decrease. What a godly character this guy was. And his greatness was noted by the Lord when Jesus says, born of women, none, like John, greatest of all people mourn of women. Notice the message of John. In John, Matthew chapter 3, we notice his preaching. What did he preach? First of all, it was his prediction of the coming one. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Jesus. And what was he preaching about? He was preaching about the fact that the Messiah, there's one that is coming after me that is going to set up his kingdom. And what he was doing in verse 3, it says, the prophet said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. The Old Testament prophet said that John was going to be doing that, paving the way for the Messiah. Now, back in uh, Bible time. We didn't have the interstate highway system that we do. Actually, you could probably make more progress uh, back then than you do on the interstates today. (laughs) Some of you just got off of that holiday traffic. (laughs) But no, what they would do, if a king wanted to go to another town, he would send out a crew to pave the way. And that crew would remove the branches and remove the tree limbs, and if there was a stream there, they would put a little bridge over it, uh, remove uh, the boulders and straighten out things. Why? So the king could make his way paved straight into that city. Well, that's exactly what John the Baptist was doing. He was working in the hearts of people. He was getting them ready. He was telling them that you need to repent, turn from your sins, because Jesus is coming. You need to be ready for Him. And that's what John the Baptist was all about. Paving the way for Messiah and God to work in their hearts. Notice his call for repentance in verse 2-3. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If John the Baptist were here today, people would laugh at him, make fun of him, because this is not a very politically correct word. Repent. The word repent means to change one's mind and act on that change. John was not satisfied with regret or remorse. He wanted fruits, meat for repentance. There had to be evidence of a changed mind and a changed life. And there's not much of that today. A lot of people look at Christianity as just another club. You join, just kind of move over here and do what they do. No, no. If you're going to be a Christian... You need to repent. You need to change your mind. Sandra Bullock won the 2010 Best Actress Academy Award for her portrayal of Leanne Tui in The Blind Side. Remember watching that movie? The sensational film chronicles a Christian family who took in a homeless young man and gave him the chance to reach his God-given potential. Michael Orr not only dodged the hopelessness of his dysfunctional inner-city upbringing, but became the first-round NFL draft pick for the Baltimore Ravens in 2009. At a recent fundraiser, Sean Tui, the husband, noted that the transformation of his family and Michael all started with two words. When they spotted Michael walking along the road on a cold November morning, In shorts and a t-shirt, Leanne Tui uttered two words that changed their world. She told Sean, turn around. They turned the car around, put Michael in their warm vehicle, and ultimately adopted him into their family. Those same two words can change anyone's life. When we turn around, we change directions and begin an exciting new journey. Some need to make an about face concerning their disbelief in Christ. Some people need to turn around from living a sinful life and doing their own thing and turn around and become a follower of Jesus. Some of you need to turn around in your attitudes and your dispositions and your grouchiness and your bitterness that you have and walk a new direction. That's the message of John the Baptist, and that's the message of the New Testament. We need to repent Turn around from our own ways and follow Jesus. John preached repentance. He also exposed externalism in verse 7. Notice, when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Oh, good to have you here, Dr. So-and-so. Glad you could join join us in our conversation today. No, No, he didn't say that. You know what he said? you bunch of snakes, what are you here for? (laughs) Imagine me saying that to you (laughs) or any preacher saying that. You bunch of snakes, what are you doing here today? (laughs) Brood of vipers, he called them. You know what he did that for? The Pharisees were the traditionalists of their day. Well, the Sadducees were more liberal. The wealthy Sadducees controlled the temple business that cleansed Jesus cleansed. These two groups usually fought each other for control of the nation, but when it came to opposing Jesus Christ, the Pharisees and Sadducees united forces. It was all the veneer of the outward religion. They didn't love God. They just loved the preeminence, and their religion was external. John saw right through that, saw that their heart was wicked, and he exposed their externalism. I, I'm told that uh, there is a country, called Zambia, where you've got to watch out for buying emeralds on the street corner because they're, they're selling emeralds on the street corner at a discounted price. But you also, when you go up to the next stoplight, you'll notice that the green light is missing. You see, it kind of broke it up and selling <laughs> stoplights for emeralds. And you know, these tourists, they'll buy anything, <laughs> In the same way, we can be fooled by a counterfeit product, a counterfeit money, counterfeit things like that into a counterfeit faith. There is a Christianity that is fake. There's the danger of worshiping a plastic Jesus. My friend John exposed the externalism, and I believe that we need to look into our heart and make sure that we're just not being religious on the outside, but we genuinely love God and want to obey His Word. John cut through all of that in his preaching. Something else about John's preaching, he exalted Christ. In verse 11, I indeed baptize you with water into repentance, but He is coming after me, is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. John said, he must increase, I must increase. It was all about Jesus. His ministry was there to pave the way. His ministry was to break up the fallow ground of people's hearts, get them to repent. His ministry was to expose the external religion, and he was there simply to brag on Jesus. And my friends, I hope that that is what we do here, is we exalt Christ in our preaching. We exalt Christ in everything we do. That's what John's preaching was all about. And if we could kind of mimic that, I think that we would be okay. Notice the last part of this chapter 3. We talk about the baptism of Jesus here. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you and you are coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Why was Jesus baptized? He certainly didn't need to repent, did he? He'd never done anything wrong. He didn't need to stop and turn around and go a different direction because he was following the Lord Jesus. He was following his Father's uh, kingdom. He's following God. He didn't need John's baptism. So, why? did he say, to fulfill all righteousness. The law did not include anything pertaining to baptism and Levitical righteousness, but John's message was a message of repentance. And those experiencing it were looking forward to the coming Messiah who would be righteous and who would bring in righteousness. And the, right, and the Messiah would bring in righteousness for sinners. John was out in the desert. He was baptizing. That's where God was. God was working through John. God was working in bringing about repentance for the Messiah, and Jesus heard about it and says, I'm going to go there where God is. I'm going to go there, and I'm going to submit myself to John's baptism. Why? Because these sinners that need to be saved, I'm identifying myself with them. Just as God the second person, the Son, took on human flesh to identify with us. He identified with the people of God by obeying baptism, even though he never needed it. Well, I tell you, that's enough for me right there. Fulfill all righteousness. I see the reluctance of John in verse 14. It says, he, he recognized Him. He knew who He was. He knew He was the Messiah. He says, Why are you coming to me? I, I'm the one. I'm a sinner. I need to be baptized by you. He, then he did baptize him. And I want you to notice something else in verse 16 and 17 the approval of the Father. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. Isn't that something? We, we have Jesus going down in the water, being baptized. Folks, if, you, if you're going to go down into the water, why, why would you get sprinkled? It, you know, it doesn't make any sense to me. Why not stay on the bank if sprinkling was okay? I mean, no. Jesus went into the water, and He was baptized, and then as he came come up, the Spirit of God, in a form of a dove, came and rested upon Jesus. So you got God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and then something help. Something else happens in verse 17. And suddenly, a voice came from heaven saying, "This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. We have the Son of God in the water. We have the Spirit of God resting on him." Then we have God the Father's voice coming down from heaven. At the beginning of Matthew's gospel, when Jesus Christ is coming as the King, John the Baptist is paving the way for him. The Spirit is resting upon him. And then God starts the gospel of Matthew by calling out from heaven, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. God the Father endorses His Son right there. Oh, my friend. With courage and boldness, John bursts on the scene. So what? What can we learn from John's ministry in Matthew chapter 3? I think the first thing is genuine repentance. Folks, I know a lot of people like to come to church because of so many different reasons. You know, you like to be with God's people because they love each other, and and you like the music and things. But are you genuinely born again? Has there been a time in your life when the Spirit of God convicted you of your sinful way? He says, well, I've never gone out and, and did all these bad and wicked things. I tell you, you didn't have to because you were born wicked. All of us were. We were doing our own thing, going our own way. And there came a time when we stopped and said, I need to be saved. Have you come to that place in your life where you're willing to do what John er, told them, to stop and turn around and walk a new direction? Has the Spirit of God been convicting you that you need to be born again? You need to be saved, repent of your sin. That message is not just for unbelievers. That message is for Christians. Maybe this past year of 2018, you really messed up royally. Maybe you've gone down some roads that were marked no uh, were, uh, bridge out or whatever, and you went down those roads anyway. And you're tired of it because you've suffered the consequences. And you're willing at the end of this year to stop where you are and say, God, forgive me. I repent of this sin. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to follow you. God, help me to do that. Are you willing to do that, child of God? Repent. That's the message of John the Baptist. All of us need that. Another message that is a simple message. Have you been baptized? If you've never been baptized by immersion, let me ask you this question. Why not? Jesus was. He told everyone else to be baptized. What is hindering you from being baptized? Well, I don't think that's important. Well, Jesus thought it was important since he did it himself and since he told the church to do it. And it's, it's a public declaration of your faith. It's, it's saying... I'm not anything, but Jesus saved me, and I'm not afraid, and I'm not ashamed of Him, and I'm going to let people know that I accepted Christ, and He wants me to do it. I'll do it. Perhaps we had a lady in the first service that came up to me afterwards, the pastor. I've been saved a long time, but I've never been baptized. Perhaps you have been saved a while, and you've never followed the Lord in public baptism. Talk to me, please. Because we're going to warm up the water and maybe you're going to be in it. Third lesson I think we need to learn from John the Baptist. The Father exalted His Son. The Spirit exalted His Son. And John the Baptist exalted Jesus. Peace River Baptist Church needs to be known for people who exalt Jesus. Jesus Christ, his word, his name, his life, his death on the cross, his resurrection should ring from these walls all the time because we are in love with our Savior. Oh, my friend, 2019 is going to be a good year if you follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I want to thank you for your servant, John. It was all about burning himself up for Jesus. And I pray that God, we here at Peace River would be a church that exalts Jesus Christ. And we would be individuals who deny self and follow him in this new year. And God, if, if there's a person here that's not saved, I pray that God you would speak to them by your Holy Spirit, turn them around. A believer here that needs to get some things right, oh God, may. May you work in that heart, oh God, in your timing. Maybe someone needs to be baptized. God, you would speak to them. And Lord, if there's anyone that needs to come forward to express that, the altar's open. We pray in Jesus' precious name, Amen. Let's stand together as we sing this song. If God has spoken to your heart and you need to make a decision, come. As we sing, I cast all my cares upon. Uh, uh-huh.